0: And joining us now is Sean Scanlon, our almost brand new state comptroller, C-O-M-P, as opposed to C-O-N, and of course, it's very confusing to the rest of us what's the difference anyway. We know it has something to do with money and budget and managing finances. Sean Scanlon, welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hello. Hello.
2: Good to be here, Lisa. How are you?
0: I'm great. So listen, let's begin with the really good news, because the Connecticut Mirror did a big story this morning on how Connecticut is poised to take another huge chunk out of our pension debt. Tell us what you have to do with this, and what does this mean?
2: Well, Lisa, as some of your listeners probably know, Connecticut has a lot of debt yeah, <laughs> and the reason the the reason for that is because between nineteen thirty nine when we instituted the state pension and two thousand ten when Governor Malloy came into office, we basically set aside almost nothing for that debt, and oh that my. was Democrats who owned that failure, and it's Republicans who owned that failure and in a lot of times, they were complicit together, frankly. Uh, in mismanaging that finance. That bubble started bursting in our face in the 2000s because more and more people were retiring and we had less and less money to pay for it. And to make a long story short, what was happening in the 2010s was that the amount of money that we had to set aside to just keep up with that backlog was slowly, uh, or not slowly, fastly, rapidly becoming Consuming the entire budget. So, to make a long story short, in 2017, we passed a bipartisan budget that created this thing called the volatility cap. Sounds super wonky, but basically, the premise behind it is when we're bringing in a lot of money from volatile revenue sources, aka people who work in your neck of the woods on Wall Street but live in Fairfield County, we set aside that money, we don't spend it, and when the economy takes a turn and that money doesn't come in as well as it does when things are going well, we use that money to pay down our debt, and that's what's happening right now.
0: The volatility. So would that mean things like capital gains that reflect, for example, a particularly strong stock market in a given year?
2: It's not capital gains, actually, but it's, it's what's called estimates and finals, so people who pay their taxes on a quarterly basis instead of paying it once a year like the rest of us. Wow. Um some of, some of that kind of revenue uh, that really drives our state revenue collection Uh, is quite volatile. But the punchline and what was in that article today, which is the good news you're referencing, so just to give your listeners sort of a a bird's-eye view, we've got about $40 billion in pension debt uh, right now on the books in Ah. Connecticut. In the last four years, though, we've paid off nearly $8 billion of that through this mechanism that I just described, the volatility cap. And later this month, uh, my office... You know, we'll announce with the governor that we're going to pay off an additional $2 billion. So a quarter of our entire legacy debt since 1939 has been paid off in the last four years, and that's due to the fiscal policies that we've put in place that are working, and we got to keep them going.
0: And we do have to keep them going because, you know, one of the criticisms leveled against the legislature is that – they sort of rub their hands together collectively and say, oh, goody, we can spend money now. And yeah. so uh, we really don't want that to happen because we have an obligation to pay down our debt. Plus, it becomes a virtuous cycle, right, Sean? Because to the extent we pay down our debt, then we have less interest that we have to pay down for the debt, right?
2: Well, n- not only interest, but – so. the what that article also described this morning um and there's a big motivation of doing this is that we are saving 655 million dollars in this year's budget alone that we would have had to pay uh towards that pension debt had we not paid down this debt so uh-huh. that's 655 million dollars that we spend to educate kids and to hire state troopers and to uh you know keep the lights on at the university of connecticut right all those critical services that we do as a state were becoming harder and harder for us to afford because of bad decisions made by politicians 30 years before I was even born in this state, Lisa. And so the fact that we're taking this seriously under Governor Lamont, I think we're taking it very seriously. And the last thing I'd say about this is that, you know, that 2017 budget, which precipitated all of this good stuff that's happening, uh, those fiscal controls were set to expire this year. And to your point about politicians always wanting to spend the money either on the left on a program or on the right to cut taxes, um, we, we can't let that happen. We've got to keep taking our medicine. And I worked with the governor earlier this year to extend those guardrails for 10 more years. Okay. So think about it this, Lisa. So in four years, we've paid off a quarter of the debt. If we keep this going for 10 more years, we will have almost paid that debt off, and my kids will not be on the hook for the debt that I'm on the hook for today.
0: So let me ask you this, Sean Scanlon. We're talking with our comptroller. But is this this volatility, but being able to pay down the pension debt is a direct result of things that are not necessarily within the control of people in Connecticut, correct?
2: Well, I think – the national economy always is king, right? You know, that, that determines a lot of what happens with our revenue collection. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a mistaken idea out there. You know, I, I put this up on Twitter earlier this morning and I guarantee within a few hours, there'll be, you know, a bunch of comments in there saying, Oh, but it's all COVID money. This isn't you you're doing, this is all federal money. It's the stock market. Um, that's actually not accurate. Um, We we started doing this before COVID even happened. The federal money, was that helpful to keep us going during COVID? Yes, but that federal money is gone and that federal money was not here when this started. This is all happening because of a a different fiscal mechanism that we put in place back in 2017. So... when the national economy is doing well, as it has the last couple of years, we get more money in the volatility cap. Um, but even without the national economy being at where it's at today, um, we're still getting money because, again, we're saving money in good times to spend in bad times. Um, you know, Right now, we have a $3.3 billion rainy day fund, Lisa. It's literally at its legal max capacity in the state. Isn't that great? Uh, it's, great. Um, it's great. And so when you look at a, a full rainy day fund, paying down $10 billion of pension debt in the last 10 years. Um, A lot of the doom and gloom forecasting that that played Connecticut for 10 years with our finances, uh, it's a new day, and I think that's an exciting thing for Connecticut. We're not out of the woods yet, but we're making a lot of progress.
0: Well, that's good. Listen, we're supposed to be the land of steady habits. I don't know what happened to us. We're supposed (laughs) to be relatively Yankee thrifty. We really are. Uh, I really don't know what happened to us as a state budget level, but I'm glad that we're getting back on track. We're chatting with Sean Scanlon. I also wanted to talk to you about something that people might not think that the comptroller is directly involved with, and that has to do shutting down of hospitals or portions of hospitals with the news story from uh, The Current that there had been, there had been a request to shut down a rural maternity ward. And that request was denied what does the comptroller have to do with this conversation?
2: So like you said earlier at the top of the show, most people don't really know what the comptroller does. They, they think it does have something to do with math. Um, our office does a lot of different things, and the budget and pensions is a big part of that. We pay all the bills. But another thing that we do that most people don't realize is I actually run the largest employer-sponsored health care plan in the state of Connecticut. Um Almost 300,000 people get health insurance through my office, including 50,000 children. So besides Medicaid, which covers you know kids that are on the lower end of the income spectrum, uh, I cover the most kids in Connecticut. And it's an important job that I take very seriously, and I want to make sure that those kids can continue to have health care. a a kid uh, begins getting health care from the moment that they are delivered from Mm -hmm. their mother's womb. Uh, and that won't happen and women won't be safe if we don't have access to quality maternal care in Connecticut and three hospitals in Connecticut right now are in the process of trying to apply for permission to shut down their labor and delivery units. And a few weeks ago, um, the latest one to do this Sharon hospital in the Northwest part of the state, uh, They actually, uh, you know, the community up there got a big win with the state ruling against NuVance, which runs the hospital, uh, their decision to shut this down. And uh, so I was up there with that community because, uh, like I said, I run this big plan, and I take my rights uh, or my responsibilities, rather, for that very seriously. And I want to make sure we maintain access for all the people that I serve but also the entire state of Connecticut.
0: I'm really glad about that. Can I put in two points for something specifically, Sean Scanlon? Of first of all, let me just say that I appreciate that you're speaking up and advocating on behalf of the health care plan recipients. I, I think I'm one of them because I'm a probate court employee, uh, and my husband and I are on the state employee's health plan via the probate court system. But what I wanted to direct your attention to, you may or may not know this already, is that New Vance is also – applied to say that they no longer need a psychiatric inpatient ward at Norwalk hospital. And instead they want to close it and make everybody go up to Danbury. And there I I've had people on my show. I've had doctors on my show. I've had patients on my show, community members. Nobody thinks that's a good idea. We do not have enough psychiatric beds. Everybody acknowledges we're in a mental health crisis this was not a long-term psychiatric hospital anyway. The longer-term one is in Westport at St. V's. That does you know, longer stays uh, and intermediate stays, acute and intermediate stays, usually four to six weeks, sometimes less. But this was only up to 30 days anyway, and very often people who just needed a few days to get better. They want to close it. And I don't think that that's a good idea, Sean Scanlon. I, I would hope that your office would...
2: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, so I am aware of that, and... What makes this process that we're talking about, which is called the certificate of need process, again, I I like to – and so do you, Lisa, which is why I love coming on your show. We like to kind of get in the weeds a little bit and Mm -hmm. explain this to people because all too often government is very confusing to people, and that's intentional to keep people out of the process in my view, and I try to – Break down what I do and make it really understandable to people because I think it's important. So, what we're talking about is the certificate of need process. It's known colloquially as CON. Right. And anytime a hospital wants to build something or take away something, they have to go through this process. The process is very flawed. Um, and there are some good things that hospitals try to do within it. It's not all bad stuff. In the case of the New Vance situation with mental health in Norwalk and Danbury, I um, believe that they are trying to do that in a positive light because they are trying to build a world-class facility for behavioral health in Danbury and put their resources in a bunch of different places all into Danbury to make that the hub of good behavioral health care in Connecticut. Does that mean that it's not going to make it harder for people to access services because they have to drive from Norwalk uh, or, or so Southern Fairfield County to Danbury? No, it does not. Um, but there are sometimes justifications that they make for these things that I do understand, but they raise, to your point, other questions about, okay, well, maybe on paper that does make sense to move that up there, and I get why you're doing that, but what are we going to do about the other people that will be not as well served by that? And that's, that's right. where I see my role that's of entering right. these discussions and advocating for people and certainly that is what I plan to do in that situation and all of these situations.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you taking a really good look at it. We have one caller who would like to get uh, ask you a question. Kathy from Bridgeport, you're on the air with our comptroller, Sean Scanlon. Go ahead, please.
3: Good morning. Good morning. I have a question, Sean, regarding the revenues that are coming in from the gambling sites in the state of Connecticut. Where sure. does that –
2: so, Kathy, i, I got to ask you a clarifying question. When you say mm-hmm. the gambling, do you mean from the sports betting or from the casinos? Because it's two different things.
3: No, it's, uh, off, it's uh, very uh, – the sites where they're gambling are hidden. You cannot know where they are uh, located. I only know this because someone that I know does work at one,
0: uh-huh.
3: and I don't know if that is revenue going for the state of Connecticut or that's a uh, just an, uh, someone that has opened these sites to gamblers.
2: But I—that's yeah, I, so,
3: my question. So cool. Where does the revenue for that go?
2: Yeah, so w- without knowing the specific place that you're talking about, what I what I do think you're talking about, though, is that a, a few years ago the state legalized gambling uh, and sports betting. And prior to the legalization of that, the only place that you could go to, to legally wager, uh, you know, was the casinos uh, and some off-track betting locations. A couple of years ago when we legalized it, they legalized, these sort of they're not casinos but they're kind of like pop-up places where you can go to do some wagering and bridgeport is actually one of the places that they are supposed to be expanding that but i'm not quite sure what the status of that is so i think that might I mean, be what you're referring to hmm.
3: i don't know because one of the sites is located in Fairfield, and according to the person that works there, it's it's blackjack, it's that type of, you know, casino
0: action, but it's off-site from casinos. It's not related Can, to the I casino. don't think that sounds legal to me. Sean, does that sound yeah. legal to there's, you? There's, there's, no, there's I, something that's been going on for a while now. I don't, I'm listen, I'm not disputing that it exists. I, I'm just I not sure it's... I'm just not – when you talk about where the revenue's going, Kathy, yeah. if the enterprise isn't legal, chances are that the revenue is not going to the state. That would just be Well, guess.
3: according to the people that work there, it is run by the state of Connecticut. And really? They do not disclose the location, and I know that two people that are in my neighborhood walk to work there, so it's not that far. I'm on the Fairfield Bridgeport line. Wow. So this is only one location.
0: It's called Revolution. Sean, have so you heard about I, this? I, have you heard anything about this? Oh, this I is the first so, I'm hearing about. Yeah, this.
2: Yeah. So, so I just I just did a a quick Google search, which uh, sometimes okay. is good. And uh, and it's a company called Evolution, which is a live casino Evolution. operator. Okay. Uh,
3: never heard of it.
2: Um, and uh, it, but but that is something that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is an offshoot of of the legalization of of gaming in Connecticut a few years ago. And this is one of the sites that oh. but it is uh, it's not run by the state, um, but it is regulated by the Department of Consumer Protection. Um, so it, it is a, an above oh, okay. board thing. You know, Lisa and I were thinking this was kind of a backroom card yeah, game. Here. That is what so, I was right, thinking.
3: Right. Well, Actually, call call into that location, and they play whatever they're doing—blackjack or whatever. I'm not a gambler, but they uh, actually play the game on
0: a computer, and they can see everything that's going on. Kathy, we got to let Sean go. I'm going to let him finish the thought. This was very interesting, Kathy. I never heard about this. So, Sean, does that mean does that mean that the revenue, since this is a legal kind of enterprise, they end up in your pocket somehow?
2: Kind of. So, um, you know, w- when we had to expand gaming here in Connecticut, um, there was a very wonky problem. Is everything I do is wonky, Lisa. Yeah. The, there, was a, there was a wonky issue where, um, under Governor Weicker, when he first did the deal with the tribes to legalize casino gaming in Connecticut, they had an exclusivity deal. Uh, as the Native American tribes in Connecticut, to all gaming revenue. And so when we legalized sports betting, there had to be a relationship between the state and the tribes to continue not violating that compact. So some of the money goes to the tribes. Uh, some of the money goes to stopping people who are dealing with ga- gambling problems and you know help helping those folks. Uh, but then a, a lion's share of the money does go to the state, And so far, it's not bringing in a ton of money, um, but it is a piece of the overall puzzle of us trying to, you know, find ways to diversify our revenue so that it's not such a burden on the taxpayers.
0: Sean Scanlon, thank you for this. Personally, I think this is a bigger conversation, which hopefully we'll get to another time. But I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for giving us this overview. We're going to keep having these conversations. There's a lot to your office that we can keep learning about. Thank you.
2: Yes. Thanks, Lisa. What's forward to being on again.
0: Me too. Sean Scanlon, our comptroller. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned.